Yeah. Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. It has been a long off season, but here we are, Biz. It is game week. We made it through the summer. Football upon us once again. Well, less than 72 hours and uh, some phenomenal, good, good news to start off game week or uh, to keep game week rolling today after uh, being stuck in, in purgatory for however long and making him wait this long. The uh, Oliver Martin news finally came down before we uh, go on the air today. Yeah, good thing. Uh, certainly for, for the podcast here today, we got that information and, and something that kind of some interesting circumstances, I think, behind it when you look through just the timing of this, the way that it went through the NCAA, Iowa found out about it, and then the Big Ten having to sign off on it too. I, I don't know. It, it just it strikes me this whole circumstance so weird. There's a kid that transferred to Virginia Tech to be close to his mother, and, and his appeal was denied because she went back to work after having surgery on a brain tumor. It just there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason behind all of this. The good news, certainly in Hawkeye fandom, though, is that Oliver Martin will be eligible, but it's just incre- increasingly more difficult to figure out what the NCAA, what they see in the different circumstances. I think it would have been the most appropriate thing ever if after all of this, the Big Ten would have denied it after the NCAA cleared him. That would have uh, just shown once and for all that uh, Michigan and Ohio State basically run the conference and everybody else is just kind of a, you know, still, still the big you know, what it used to be—the big two, little eight mentality. Now it's the end. big two, little twelve. But uh, yeah, it certainly sounds like everybody kind of knew that this was going to be the answer as of last Friday. There were obviously lots of hints from media members that uh, they they knew the answer but couldn't uh, announce the answer yet. So uh, I think everybody kind of the, all the rumors were pointed in the positive direction the last few days. But it's nice to finally get it. Uh, get it finalized and move on. But uh, more importantly, Trent, that's not the big news of the week. Uh, how's little Parlay doing? Parlay's doing well. He's uh, He's been a good little dude. He is strong, not real tall. He takes after his old man, so I don't think he's going to be playing any center. It's certainly going to be in his future. Probably not going to be out there in the football field, but we'll be able to find a role for him, certainly. And uh, been watching a lot of Sports Center at night. We watched Hard Knocks together last night. He really enjoys John Gruden. He, he got a kick out of that dude. But a weekend, he has been awesome and uh, and happy to share some Hawkeye football with him coming up uh, in just a couple of days. So it took you guys like 36 hours to, <laughs> to name the little man, and you finally yeah. came up with Zach. Is the reason it took so long because Parlay was in, in truly serious consideration the whole time? Well, I, I continued to go down that road, but uh, you know, I, I tried numerous times to try to go the direction parlay get that name in there write it down on the sheet that we had going that route but uh, more than anything it was much like with our first child four years ago we went in there with a list of names but got to see the dude got to get to know the dude a little bit more and well my grandpa he was jack and and he seemed like grandpa jack a lot so that that's the direction that we ended up going so there'll be a, a new jack condon now in town with the little man here I was disappointed. I thought some of the names that we suggested during your uh, your thirty six hour break there were, were were good. Not that Jack's not a good name, but uh, there were some quality ones that were thrown around. Uh, you, you could have named him after some legendary uh, obscure. You could have been uh, Icky Condon or, or Bonzi <laughs> or Glen Allen. Any of those Trent would have been uh, quality names. Bubba Boxa. 
the uh, the what the kicker for Miami. That that was that dude's name. Bubba Boxaconda. That's a nice rhythm to it. I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, our buddy Shits decided Stat Boy to go with Timothy Donahue Condon. I don't know how well that would have went over if, if you know the wife would have found out about the the background of it. But we decided on a name. We didn't get anything gambling related in there. But Grandpa, he he liked to do a little gambling in his time. Always loved to stop off and see the pretties as he always saw it stopping off at the riverboat on his way over to see family in Madison, things like that. So he's got gambling certainly in the blood. <laughs> the pretties. The pretties. Are those- Ladies serving the cocktails, or uh... I, I think it more it was about the lights, the bright lights is what they called the pretties. Going over and, yeah, we'll, and seeing that, we'll but go, we'll go we'll go with that, sure. Yes, no, Grandpa though he very well could have been talking about that. That was a code uh, that he used in that one. Well, Biz, with all that being said, yes, it's uh, some sleepless nights here, but that is okay because I got football to get me here over the next couple of months. Do you want to start? And uh, well, we are, of course, the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, gambling, a big part of what we do. And we decided to change it up here a little bit this year and in, in the way that we're going to be doing our picks each and every week. So we're going to start with the bankroll every week. And we're going to have $500 of fake money that we're going to be betting each and every week. You can do parlays, you can do teasers, you can do straight up games. We'll be picking the Hawks every week, we'll be picking the big national game of every week, and then whatever else jumps off the page. Are you ready for this? Do you think you got everything figured out? Yeah, I, I think I got it figured out, but I think we should probably uh, dig into the dig into the Hawks first because I, I know at least one person, my dad, just tones out when we go into the gambling portion because uh, <laughs> I, I think we should probably go with the Hawkeye portion first and save that for the end so then my dad can uh, shut us off and, and uh, go back to whatever uh, lawn maintenance things he has for the day instead. Important stuff there, no doubt. We we got plenty of Hawkeye stuff to get into here. Game week, what to expect from the Hawkeyes this year? And expectations, this uh, this has been an interesting summer for me and, and basically talking Hawkeyes every day in my day job. It has been a talented team, but it always comes back to the schedule. And if seemingly any time we talk to somebody on a national level, on a regional level, or people here on the Hawkeye beat, that schedule continues to be talked about. And, and much like a decade ago, I remember having this talk in 2009, and I just liked the talent of that team so much that I said, hell with the schedule. They're going to be really good. There have been plenty of times this summer where I've gone that same route and just said, there's too much talent for this team not to be good. Better than 7-5, and 8-4 and four good. Be better than that. Well, the Oliver Martin uh, decision certainly helps with that because, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last time, but, I mean, this is as talented of a wide receiver crew as, as uh, we've had in, in a decade. And, you know, we've got five legitimate uh, threats at the wide receiver crew, and, and all of them are, are underclassmen as well. So, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal what Kelton Copeland has done in his two-plus years. I mean, they went from a completely bare cupboard to potentially that being a uh, a team strength the next couple of years. So, but, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you said. This is a team that uh, – Obviously, lots of high hopes and, and excitement, but uh, on the flip side, that schedule is just brutal. I mean, it's, I saw something that we, of the Power Five teams, we have the most difficult uh, road schedule out there. There's only, I think, one or two other teams that uh, have four road road games against ranked teams. I think it's Cal and uh, somebody else in the Pac-12 as well. Uh, but then their fifth game is just an absolute cupcake, and so um, we've got. 
you know, five in, inside the top 30, and the only one that's not ranked is, is certainly should be in Northwestern. Why they're not is ridiculous. So when you've got the uh, the toughest road schedule of anybody in the, in the Power Five, uh, you've got your work cut out for you. The simple part is they have to win close games, and that's seemingly any year for Iowa. But though it's difficult, every one of those games, even the Michigan game, though certainly the most difficult of the five roadies that Iowa has this year, they're not playing Alabama. They're not playing Clemson. They're not playing teams that are at that top echelon that you're scared about. And if this team is good and it all comes together and Stanley plays like a third-year starter and he, he gets rid of that inconsistency and the wide receivers are as good as you expect and those tackles not only are good in pass protection, but they also get the run game going and the run blocking and the defense is elite again, this team absolutely can be in contention for a 10-2 and 11-1 team because the talent is there. This is certainly a more talented team than the 2015 team. Schedule is much different, no doubt, but the talent is there to have a special season. The, the schedule maybe doesn't concern me as much as some other people because of that. Well, I think if everybody goes into the season understanding that this is not going to be a 12-0 and team. I mean, we're certainly not going to go un- unscathed at that road schedule, but, uh, you know, as we talked about in the past, I think you can definitely lose two Big Ten games and still have a very, very good chance of, of winning the uh, the Big Ten West. So, you know, even if you lose to the Clones in the, uh, the preseason and you lose two games, nine and three, I think, still gets us uh, right in the discussion and possibly in Indy. So, you know, if you go into it with the realistic expectations that, uh, you know, ten and two would be absolutely phenomenal, um, then I think you're you're not going to be you know, too disappointed because I, I think that talent alone, this team can be eight and four. But that that assumes a that we win some close games and b that we avoid the injury bug because that that was one of the main reasons, um, you know, 2015 and again last year why the teams you know were just so impressive is we just avoided any major injuries. So you know, if uh, AJ Epinesa, God forbid, goes down ten plays into the season, then obviously uh, <laughs> expectations get uh, adjusted uh, accordingly at that mm-hmm. point. No, so. there, yeah, there's no doubt. And depth of this team is, I think, something that you're right. That That is a concern to bring up, no doubt. So you said that Stat Boy has been doing a little information. What has he got cooked up for us this week? Yeah, well, we gave him the, the, the week off. So I, I gave him kind of a, a more in-depth assignment this week. And, and it kind of has to do with what we're talking about, Trent, just uh, what should the expectations be for this team. So uh, as usual, I gave Stat Boy a uh, – uh, a somewhat narrow assignment, and, and he ran with it and, and got some really good info. So my general question to Stat Boy was, how has Iowa performed as a ranked team over the years? Because I think there's a, a perception in, in Iowa fandom that we generally do better when we're under the radar and can, can kind of uh, surprise people, and we struggle when we're ranked or we're kind of the, the hunted team. So what I wanted to find out was that the stats back that up. And the best way to find that out is uh, put that boy on the assignment. So you ready to dig into it? Yeah, what do you got here? Because you're right, that, that perception is out there. Iowa is better when they're under the radar. They're not ranked, those types of things, than they are when they come in with the big expectations. I, I'm interested to see because, in a way, that's my perception too. Well, let's start with the, let's start with the kind of some general info, and then we'll get into the, uh, the details. But, General info for Iowa as a ranked team, um, there have been 330 AP polls in the Kirk Ferentz era, um, regular season polls. 
What would your guess be as to how many of those weeks, how many, how many out of 330 has Iowa been a ranked team? Hmm. All right, going through, you got the top 10 seasons. There's five of those. A couple others on the fringes. I would say uh, 75. You're a little low, 101. 101, 101. okay. 30 we've been ranked, so about 30%, 30.6%, which is 33rd best in the nation. Uh, Ohio State is number one in the nation. They have been ranked in 90% of the polls over the last uh, <laughs> last 20 years, so, so pretty impressive. Um, so obviously the, the 2002 through 2010, kind of the golden era of parents, that was uh, – the most impressive time. We were, we're ranked in over 50% of the polls during that period, and we're ranked every year except for 2007. Uh, and also, we're kind of uh, in the midst of kind of, I guess you'd call it a second golden era. Um, with us being ranked in the preseason this year, Trent, this is the fifth year in a row that we'll be ranked for at least one one week. Because if you remember in 2017, uh, we did sneak into the polls as number 25 after the uh, – Ohio State woodshedding. Uh, obviously, we didn't last very long because we went to Madison and got uh, we got throttled. But we snuck in at number twenty-five for for one week. So this is the fifth year in a row we've been ranked, which uh, it's interesting to hear because to, to hear our fan base who've had some disappointing years the last few years, but uh, we've been ranked five years in a row. Pretty good spot to be, no doubt. Five straight seasons, though. Yeah, one of those not exactly the best, and there's been frustrations throughout that time, but at least something to hang your hat on. Okay. So let's, let's dig into the results. Staff Boy found some really good info. Um, as far as Staff Boy could tell, there, he had to kind of uh, dig through some things, but it appears that Kirk Ferentz is 56-22 and 22 as, as a 56-22 and 22 record when Iowa has been a ranked team. Um, and when you dig into those 22 losses, Trent, you find out that uh, very rarely have, have, have there been disappointing losses when we've been a uh, – a ranked team. Most of the losses were uh, were understandable. So let's dig into those 22 losses as a ranked team. Uh, five of them were in bowl games or were in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan State. So five postseason games. Mm-hmm. Another 12 of them uh, were on the road. Uh, so if you look at it, in the Ferentz era, we have only lost five home games ever as a ranked team. Wow. Uh, the, the five games if you go into them, three of them are, are certainly understandable, or four of them really, and one is, is, is a true stinker. But uh, um, the first one was to number one Ohio State in 2006. Uh, that was the uh, the game day game where uh, we could have played phenomenal. We just weren't going to win. They were uh, significantly better than us that day. So that's number one. Number two, three years later, uh, one of the, uh, the saddest days as a Hawk fan because uh, undefeated Iowa comes out and is ready to throttle Northwestern. Ricky Stanty gets injured, and uh, the rest is history. We lose seventeen to ten. Uh, three and four were during the uh, the slide of two thousand ten. You got number ten Wisconsin, the thirty one to thirty heartbreaker, and then later in the year uh, another heartbreaker, number eight Ohio State with the Terrell Pryor uh, fourth and ten scramble. And then the fifth one was relatively recently. Trent, uh, can you remember that game? Um, the one true dud of the bunch. One true dud as a ranked team. Was it against, was it the North Dakota State loss? That is correct, yeah. North Dakota State opener in 2016, or not the opener, third game in 2016. But uh, that's the only one, when you look at those five, that you, you 
say was a true disappointment. Uh, obviously, the Northwestern win in 2009 was, was, uh, was a disappointment, but given the circumstances, um, understandable. And then the other three were all top, losses to top ten teams, uh, two of them in heartbreaking fashion. So, so I think what that tells you initially, uh, at least to me, Trent, is uh, we've generally backed up our uh, our rankings, especially at home. So uh, maybe perception not quite as uh, as accurate there. And, and there's a few other stats that kind of back that up as well. So you ready for a couple other uh, stats that I think back up the fact that perception is not quite reality? Yep, fire away. So of the 22 losses, the 22 times we've lost as a ranked team, we were underdogs in 15 of the games. Wow. So uh, 15 of 22, Vegas expected us to lose. Um, and another four of the seven, we were uh, favored by less than a touchdown. There's only been three of them where we were favored by uh, a touchdown or more. Um, and then of the 22 opponents that we lost to, 21 of the 22 ended out having a winning record that year. Um, so only one of the 22 had a losing record uh that, unfortunately, was at Indiana in 2006. Uh, we went there and laid an egg. Uh, we can blame our friend Melt. Uh, that was his wedding day. and uh, 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 we'll, we'll just place the blame directly on him for that game. But the, the other 21, all of them ended with a winning record. And, in fact, half of them, 11 of the 22 teams we lost to, ended out with double-digit victories by the end of the year. So uh, they haven't lost many slouches over the years. So uh, all of that to say, Trent, uh, I like our chances against Miami of Ohio on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, don't see that one uh, being one of the clunkers that we're talking about here. This team's going to be good. Maybe Ohio 6-6, six and six, lost a lot of close games a year ago. Pretty good defensively overall, but I don't see enough offense to be able to hang around. All right, so Stat Boy has laid out some numbers here that make you think that the perception has isn't quite right about Iowa with those expectations. And when they get good, when they get ranked, falling apart. Well, and you go back, and, and I'm, I'm sure or hopefully Statboy will uh, send out the list of the 22 losses. When you look at them, Trent, um, the 22, you'll go back and you'll see some heartbreaking losses. But like I said, there weren't a lot of them where we just stunk up the joint. Uh, you know, a lot of those losses that you go back and you talk about, you know, the Western Michigans of the world and, and you know, Northern Illinois, things like that, those were not very good Iowa football teams that we, mm-hmm. when we lost some of those bad games. And, and you know, it's so again, I think perception is not quite reality. Uh, so, so hopefully uh, we can avoid that narrative this year because I think everybody always kind of pretends that Iowa underperforms, but uh, that hasn't been the case as, as often as, as you'd think. So uh, let's uh, hope we uh, we live up to our what is it, nineteen number nineteen ranking and uh, uh, stay in the polls for most of the year. Uh, and I think there is certainly going to be a case to be made for that to happen. Anything else from Stat Boy? Oh, that's it. Yeah, again, uh, good info, and I, I was surprised to see it. I, I was kind of uh, expecting the worst. I thought we would perform worse as a ranked team, and in fact, we uh, have not done as poorly as I would have anticipated. So uh, from there, we moved past Stat Boy and the great numbers that he put out there, and now you came up with some numbers of your own every year before the season. We would like to uh, have some over and unders for each other, and you came up with a group of eight for me. Now, these kind of props are not available yet inside of Iowa casinos. They will be in future years, starting in 2021. Individual player props for in-state players will be available. But these are just between you and me, and you came up with a list of eight. What do you have for me? Well, and it's actually not even between you and me. It's just for you. I think we did this last year, too. 
Um, and what we're going to do is we'll, we'll give you $1,000 to play with. Okay. I'm actually going to tell you all eight of them. We'll walk through all eight, um, and you can kind of jot down as we're going through them which, ones you want, which side you like. Um, but then at the end, you can go back through and put money on each one. I think we did this last year, and I think you were something like five, two, and one, and one like 500 bucks. So uh, pressure's on. You did well last year. Well, so. I always like to make my trips over to uh, Bisquaki. Let's see if I can make some more money again here in 2019. Well, so I started off saying it was going to be over-unders, but it's actually, that's not true. There's at least a couple of them in here that are they're not over-unders. They're okay. just simple, uh, they're, uh, simple bets instead. So we've got three offensive ones, three defense, and two special teams bets. So uh, we'll start with the offensive bets. Um, this one's a, kind of a no-brainer. Uh, clearly, if you're going to do over-unders or bets, you've got you to throw in Nate's family because he's got some opportunities to break uh, or set some pretty cool records this year. Uh, needs 23 touchdowns to break Chuck Long's Iowa record. Needs 25 touchdowns to become only the second Big Ten quarterback with three 25-plus uh, years of touchdowns. Do you know the other one, Trent, the other quarterback? Drew Brees. Uh, and then he had two years in a row of 26. So uh, I, I set the over-under kind of between those two records, the 23 to break Chuck's record, and, and 25 to, to join Drew Brees' uh, category. Over under of twenty four and a half for Nate Stanley uh, passing touchdowns this year, Trent. So that's, right. that's number one. I like that. Okay, I already get already have an idea. All right, number two, and I probably should have adjusted this to include Oliver Martin in this equation <laughs> now that he, he's involved, but uh, I did not. Uh, this is the uh, Smith Brothers question. We had a Smith Brothers question last year, I believe it was uh, which one if the two of them combined would have more uh, catches than easily, and, and I believe they did not. Uh, but this year, it's even, even kind of a more interesting question. You go back and look at last year's stats, the interesting thing is Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith ended with the exact same amount of receiving yards. They both had 361 receiving yards last year. So simple question for you, Trent. Who will have more receiving yards this year? Which of the Smith brothers? Okay, all right. I think I got a place that I'm at least leaning right now. Right. And running backs. For the third offensive question, last year was the first time in 13 years that Iowa went without an 800-yard rusher. Um, and in fact, 10 out of the last 12 years, we've had at least one 900-yard rusher on the team. Um, so odds are we're going to have someone over 900 again this year. So I set the over under Iowa's leading rusher this year over under 950 yards. 950, okay, simple enough. But then you get to the defensive uh, questions, and obviously you need to have an A.J. Epinesa question. Mm -hmm. Ten and a half sacks last year. Um, I listened to another Iowa pod recently that set the over-under on his sacks at 13 and a half this year, and everyone picked over, which is just absurd, Trent. Uh, I looked back, I think the last four years in college football, there's been a total of seven people that have had 14 or more sacks in the last three or four years. So, uh, it's very rare. He is obviously going to get a lot of attention this year. Do I think he will have a great year? Yes. Do I think he will get that many sacks uh, up to the 14-15 range? I do not. So I set the over-under at slightly higher than last year. Let's go over-under 11.5 for A.J. Epinesa sacks. Okay. All right. I know I'm going to be firing at that one probably pretty substantially. All right. So then get into tackles, Trent. This is always what I like to look back at because it's very interesting. First of all, our top four tacklers from last year 
are all gone. Can you uh, name those four? Oh, they're all all gone from last year. Uh, three of them graduated. One left early. Hooker. Correct. And Jack, then the three grad three graduated. Jack Hockaday. As one. Parker Hesse. As two, and then you're missing the leading tackler on the team, Trent. Leading tackler on the team. Who am I missing? Uh, Anthony Nelson. No, that is way off. J- Jake Gervas. Oh, Jake Gervas. I-, I was thinking safety and it didn't pop into my head. He's out there playing with uh, Gruden and Hard Knocks. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he's actually got a chance to make the team or at least make the practice squad, it sounds like. So, so the top returning tacklers this year, Trent, First of all, can you guess who the top returning tackler was? This this really surprised me. I would have never guessed this. So if you can get it, I'll be really impressed. Jaimon Colbert. That is correct. Yes. That, that guess. It, it was a, a complete guess. Complete guess. You are correct. You had 52 tackles. And then you go down the line. Christian Welch, 49. Um, you've got uh, 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 Neiman, 43. Stone and Ojemudia, 39. And Epinesa, 37. So you've got uh, uh, a lot of options there. I'll make it really simple for you, Trent. The question is, who leads the team in tackles? Oh, okay. All right. It's a simple question. Who's our leading tackler this year? So uh, that's question number five. So you got three more to go, and then we'll go back and place the money on them. So number six, Iowa's been unbelievable in the secondary the last two years on interceptions. We're the only team in the nation with 20 or more in the last two years. The interesting thing that the person that led our team in interceptions each of the last two years, uh, Josh Jackson with eight in 2017, and Geno Stone with four last year, neither of them had ever had a career interception going into the year. So, uh, assuming you've seen it, but Matt Hankins has never had <laughs> an interception. So, uh, the, the question has to be with Matt Hankins over under, will he have over under three and a half interceptions this year? Three and a half. Okay, good number there because I like Hankins a lot this season. Okay. All right, then the last two we get into special teams, and you know we've got to have a punting one due to our yes. uh, love slash hatred of Iowa's punting game. So, <laughs> so we'll start by just going into the hideous numbers from the last two years, Trent. 2017, we averaged 38.7 yards a punt, and we're 117th in the nation. 2018, we averaged 38.9 yards a punt, and 113th in the nation. We can't do any worse than that, or hopefully we can't do any worse than that. So uh, simple over-under, right at 40. Will we average over or under 40 yards a punt with uh, the Australian sensation coming in? Okay, simple one right there. Is that number seven or eight? That's number seven. The last one, an Amir Smith-Marset question, Trent. Looking back, Iowa has not exactly set the world on fire when it comes to kicking and punt returning in the past, and it looks like, Amir is going to get a chance to do both. Um, so if you go back and look, Desmond King has been really the only guy in the last 10 years that, that's been consistently good at both. He had a total of 1,014 return yards in 2016, 950 return yards in 2015. Beforehand, you've got to go all the way back to Razor Ramona Choa in 2003 to find anybody else that's over 800. So it's been a while. Um, I think it's unrealistic to, to think that he'll, he'll break Dez's record because you don't get a ton of chances to return uh, kicks anymore. Uh, but I think he can potentially get in that Desmond King area. So over under 
Amir Smith-Marset return yards of 950. So the same number as the rushing yards. Rushing yards is over under 950. Amir Smith return yards over under 950. Okay. All right. So So there's there's your eight. Let's go back and and put some money on them. Let's start with your most confident ones, right? Which one are you most confident and want to put the most money on? Well, all right. So the minimum amount that I have to wager on each of these, I have a $1,000 bankroll. What, 100 bucks is the minimum? Uh, 50 bucks? Let's go 50 bucks minimum. All right. Well, I, I do know the one that I'm least confident in, and that is the difference between Brandon Smith and Amir Smith Marset. Who has more yards? I'm going Brandon Smith, and I'm just going to throw 50 bucks on that one. That That's the least confident I feel on that one. Another one that I'm really not confident in is Tackles, who has the most. So I'm going to put 50 bucks on Christian Welch. Playing in the middle of that defense, I'll go with him, but not overly confident. So uh, I got $900 now left to play with here with the remaining six wagers. All right, I probably would have went with the same wager on both of you. I probably put more money on Christian Welch. After watching Kid today, I, I think he is going to be the one linebacker that's in there pretty much uh, play uh, every play. So uh, he's got the best opportunity, at least, to, to uh, lead the team in tackles. So, but uh, two down, six to go. Where, where are you going next? Uh, I, I'm maybe more hopeful than this than this on this one, but uh, I'm going also fifty bucks on the under and punting. You know, you're going, yeah, you're going under the 40 for the uh, total because it's not a sure thing that it's going to be Sleep Dalton every time from everything that we've heard. And he's going from punting in elevation to punting here right at, right at sea level in Iowa. So I'm going in Big Ten territory. I'm going under that 40. And God, I hope I'm wrong. So give me 50 bucks on that one. Also, going to. I thought I set that pretty low. Obviously, not low enough. Not 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 low enough in what we've seen with Iowa punting throughout the years. Matt Hankins, I, I told you, I'm a big Hankins fan. I think he has a chance to maybe be a guy that we also hear speculated about leaving for the NFL draft. But I don't know how much he's going to be targeted. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have for interceptions. Three and a half is a pretty hefty number, so I'm going to throw a hundred bucks there on the under of three and a half. I, I think he gets to three. But that's it. I'm going to throw 100 bucks there. Matt Hankins, under three and a half interceptions. All right. You got uh, 750 bucks to play with on the other four, Trent. 750 to play with. Well, I got 200 down here on a couple. Uh, I'm going to start with the under on Epinesa. You know, people think that you can just extrapolate. Well, he had 10 and a half sacks last year, and he only played whatever it was, 42% of the snaps. Well, remember, he was also out there in pretty much every single passing down. You mentioned the amount of respect that he's going to have. Every team is going to scheme and game plan around him, what they're going to do, a running back staying in, tight ends chipping him. He is going to have so much attention, not to mention double teams. He's going to have a great season, but I don't think the sack numbers are going to be quite the same there. We'll see teams rolling away from him, all kinds of different things. So I'm going 200 bucks on the under there on Epinesa, 11.5 the number that you gave. Unders across the board right now. <laughs> I am. Man. That's it's a little scary now that, that I'm thinking about it here. Stanley, here's another one. Under 24 and a half touchdown passes. I believe they're going to rely more on the running game inside the red zone this year. I think there are also going to be a few more explosive plays in the run game, and that's going to help it. And he doesn't have the security blanket of two elite level tight ends inside that red zone. So because of that, I'm going under on Stanley touchdown passes. Give me 250 on that one. I'm going to go hefty on the under at 24 and a half. Oh, we're going five and seven, aren't we, Trent? Uh, based on your unders, uh, <laughs> good for the Hawks this year. So. 
Will we have a 950-yard rusher? No. No, Iowa will not. Too many guys, too many different carries that they're going to be going here. I'll take 100 bucks on the no, a 950-plus yard rusher this season. This is regular season only, 12 games only, correct? Yes, correct. So you've got 200 to play with on the Amir Smith-Marset one. Amir Smith-Marset, 950. He's going to be doing both. I, I, I think it's too much. I, I, in fact, am I under in every single thing here outside of obviously tackles where I had to pick a guy? I think I'm on under on, on absolutely everything that we have here. That's not good. I, I think Biskwaki, you need to go back and talk to your sportsbook director because he put out some crappy lines. Well, we'll find out. Either, either I was going 4-8 or eight or my lines were bad, but uh, <laughs> well, let's hope for the, uh, the latter of those two. So, yeah, you're under across the board on the six over-unders, and you are uh, you're low bets on, on the two uh, non-over-unders, the Christian Welch and Brandon Smith bets. Interesting. Hmm. I will hang on to them, and we'll see how you do compared to last year. That sounds good. All right. I, I am interested to see, and hopefully with the choices that I made here, that I am dead wrong. That is what I'm hopeful for, and all these ones uh, fly over the number that you put out. Well, let's, let's hope at least a couple of them do because uh, I can't be that off on all of them. All right. Bold predictions. Let's get into the predictions for the year. I have uh, gone through this exercise couple of times already I found myself getting in a couple of different directions you want to go with the individual ones first and then we'll get into the team record yeah so I've got I've got two bold predictions and they're both fly completely in the in the, in the face of what you just said and you're over under so uh we'll see who's right my, my offensive prediction uh, I see Makai Sargent having a really big year this year. Uh, and, I, in fact, I think he runs for over 1,100 yards. Wow. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that uh, I think the coaching staff really trusts. I, I watched the uh, Iowa-Nebraska replay on Big Ten this week, and, and he just looked like a totally different back that game they did early in the year. So I think if he stays healthy, he's a guy that uh, can go over 1,000. And, in fact, I'll, I'll – just to make it bold, I'll go over 1,100. But uh, remember, this is also the same person who uh, was very confident that uh, Ivory Kelly Martin was the breakout back last year. So uh, that tells you where I'm coming from. That was not your finest day, no doubt. I got a bold prediction for you. How about this one? Last year, Miguel Racinos missed five field goals. The combined Iowa kickers this year only missed three throughout the course of the season. You could take both the guys, but they go under the total that we saw from Miguel Racinos Place kicking better than maybe people anticipate. I think they're going to be pretty solid there. I'm going to go uh, three missed kicks is all out of the field goals this year and not missing an extra points out of the new guys taking over for Racinos. Well, that might also be because the uh, coaching staff doesn't trust them to kick any field goals outside of like 40 yards this year. But yeah, uh, yeah. I like your like positivity. Based on the kids' day, uh, they're never going to miss Trent. So. They were whatever, 13 for 13 that day, so they've they got nowhere to go but down. So. Yes, uh, positivity there for you, Biz. Okay, let's uh, continue here. What else? Let's go to defense. Bold prediction this year. I'm on the under for Epinesa. I got Welch leading the team in tackles. I got under on the three and a half for Hankins interceptions. What do you got for your bold prediction? My bold prediction is a guy I don't think we've even mentioned yet today, but uh, – uh, my bold prediction is Cedric Lattimore will be, at worst, a, uh, a second-team All-Big Ten player, uh, maybe even a first-team All-Big Ten player. I, mm-hmm. I see him, we talked a little bit last week, I see him making that kind of third-year jump as an interior lineman. Most guys that uh, 
have gotten the opportunity to to be involved in interior line for multiple years uh, have really had good senior years. So uh, I'm, I'm calling for Cedric Lattimore to have a great senior year and uh, really kind of solidify that interior line. I like that one, and I'm certainly hopeful that that's going to be the case, that we're going to be able to see that and, and a big step forward. Here's mine. We all know that A.J. Epinesa, more than likely this is his final season in Iowa City. I mentioned Hankins. You got Geno Stone there. There's a lot of young talent here. Maybe it's Chauncey Golson that takes a step forward. My bold prediction, though, is A.J. Epinesa is not the only defender that does declare early for the NFL draft. So are you going to enlighten us on who that is, or are you just going to leave it open-ended? I left it open-ended. Maybe it's Geno Stone. Maybe it's Matt Hankins. Maybe it's Chauncey Golson on the outside. But somebody else will join him and go in early to the NFL. Well, uh, I can't ever remember a year ever where we went into a season thinking that probably more than one Iowa guy was ever going to leave early. And this year, I think everybody's pretty much resigned to the fact that there's likely going to be three of them leaving early. I can't imagine... uh, Epinesa or worse come back, and it looks like if Alaric Jackson has a decent year, he's he's out the door as well. So uh, I guess that's a good problem to have. Obviously, uh, we're we're doing something right because the NFL wants our guys, and they want them uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, I hope it's six three, and that and that's it. But uh, we'll see. I guess I, hopefully that prediction is wrong. I guess I used my bold prediction uh, on special teams already with the kickers. Yeah, well, my special team is, again, directly contrary to uh, what you said earlier. I'm predicting that Sleep Dalton takes the job and runs with it. And I, Ron Caluzzi averaged 41.1 yards per punt back in 2016. My bold prediction is Sleep Dalton either meets or exceeds that number. So 41.1 or higher for uh, the uh, Australian sensation. Well, his numbers might exceed Rock and Ron Caluzzi, but... Him as a person will never exceed my man, Rock and Ron. There's no way oh, that yeah, could happen. That's a totally different podcast. That might just be the uh, the that podcast number 100 right there, Trent. Just an ode to Rock and Ron. Can you get him on? I I, I think so. I I think it's worth a shot. Isn't he? He's around Iowa still, I believe. Isn't he doing like a kicking camp like Grinnell or something? I don't know. Something. I I thought I heard that. I could be dead wrong. You've got you've got an assignment, or maybe we could put stat boy on it. Can you drive over to Grinnell and find Rock and Ron Caluzzi? That would be a good. He would enjoy that more than anything. Probably Rock and Ron would not, though. Having having a uh, moderately uh, creepy uh, middle aged man chasing him down in the <laughs> middle of the day. Uh, probably would be the best thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, it's time to make our predictions for the season. Biz, I W'd and L'd every Big Ten game. I've gone back and forth. I, I told you I get sometimes frustrated with the conversation that I think goes too deep. This team's going to be good. I don't know if the record's going to reflect it. And pretty much every time, it was right around the win total, the, the Vegas total that is out, 7.5, and, and that's kind of what I came out to every single time. When I WNL'd everything through the Big Ten, though, I had Iowa 8-4, and four, lost in the non-conference to Iowa State, 6-3 and three in the Big Ten, but tying for the division and having the tiebreaker against the Gophers. Iowa goes 8-4, and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten, yet even with that, they're playing in Indianapolis and they're going up, taking their shot against the team, big team from the East. Well, we've got the same record, Trent. I think we're going to go 8-4 as well, but I actually think we're going to beat the Clones. I think uh, 
Uh, I think Black Purdy is going to struggle a little bit, especially early in the year without those weapons from last year. And I think they will once again struggle to put up any points against our defense. Uh, Iowa State clearly is a much better football team than they used to be, but they're not necessarily built to beat the Iowas of the world. They're built to compete in the uh, the Big 12, and Campbell uh, has done a hell of a job of doing that. But uh, I think we beat Iowa State, but I, I think we uh, end up going 5-4 and fours all in the Big 10. I think we'll stub our toe against somebody we probably shouldn't at home, and I think we're going to lose three on the road. So uh, I've got us at 8-4. and four. Uh, The main reason why, I just you know, I think, again, we've talked a lot about the positives on this team, but we don't really, we kind of dwell, or just kind of uh, gloss over the negatives. I mean, we're looking at an entirely new interior line, new tight end, um, a new defensive line, although most of them have experience, but not many starts. Uh, new free safety, and we're not even sure that is yet, and then new specialists, new kicker and punter. So that's a lot of news, um, and I think uh, probably too many to get to Indianapolis. But I think it'll be a fun year. I think it'll be a team that's uh, a little more exciting than they've been in the past. We'll put some points up from time to time, but uh, I hate to say it, uh, until Nate Stanley shows that he can do it consistently week in and week out, I, I can't. I can't sit here and say that we're going to Indianapolis. So hopefully he proves me wrong, and hopefully he is uh, rock solid the entire year. But uh, I think his inconsistency will uh, unfortunately rear its head again this year. I'm right there with you. I I don't see anything that has changed going back to spring practice, the kids' day practice, (laughs) and even when Big Ten Network was there for their uh, their wraparound tours, they were going through every campus, and it was the same kind of thing. I I think Nate Stanley is who he is, and when he is right and when everything's going well – he can be as good as anybody in college football, but when it goes bad, it goes really bad, and Iowa just doesn't have that big difference where they can overcome those kind of things as we saw a year ago. You know, they, they should have dominated that Penn State game. Of course, it didn't happen. There's been so many of those clunkers. There's the great games. His first career start on the road against Iowa State, he throws five touchdowns. The game against Ohio State, another five touchdowns. But for every one of those, there's the other side. There's the clunker there, and I just I don't see anything that says it is going to be different because of this reason with him. Well, and the last time we saw him, that Mississippi State game, that might have been his best game ever. I mean, you go back and watch the, uh, the replay of that. I mean, he was basically on his own that game. We couldn't run the ball at all. And to be honest with you, we didn't get, other than the 75-yard wide-open touchdown pass, there weren't a lot of open windows, but he, he threw a lot of uh, really good balls in that game. So you're right. I mean, when he's good, he's really good. But uh, unfortunately, when he's bad, uh, he's really bad. So uh I hope I'm wrong. I hope he uh, avoids the one or two just complete bonehead mistakes a game, and he has an unbelievable senior year. But uh, um, I'm not buying into it until, until it happens. So we're both a pretty boring 8-4 and four on the season for the Hawkeyes and our predictions that we hope will be wrong. Speaking of awful predictions, it is time for us to get back into the world of wagering. Now, there is no offseason for a true degenerate like myself. I've been firing away at baseball Little League and everything in between here throughout the summer. But now it's football time, and that is the most fun thing, certainly, to bet on. As we mentioned at the top, a new way we're going to be doing it this year. we got 500 bucks we'll be playing with every week. And, you know, just for simplicity's sake, we're going to be taking the juice out of it. We're, we're going to bet $100 out of game. You'll win $100. We're not dealing with juice here. No, this is uh, the one only casino in the world. You get paid out a uh, full 100%. But... So I think we agreed also we're going to start with a uh, a pot of 2000 to start the year, right? So yes. if you uh, 
somehow lose every game the first four weeks, you're, you're just done for the year. You, you run out of your money, and you just sit quietly during this portion of the uh, podcast. But uh, we have a pot of 2000 to start with, and we can bet 500 of it every week. Is that correct? That is correct. We'll see what our bankroll looks like at the end of the season. I, I have a feeling it might look pretty, pretty ugly. Uh, well, let, let's get to it then. So we, if I understand correctly, we're, we're betting the Iowa game. The game of the week, which would be uh, Auburn and Oregon, and then you can bet as many other games as you want to fill out your 500, correct? You got it, and a uh, minimum bet of 50. I want to go 100. You, you wanted to lower it a little bit. What, do you got some, some firing at some long shot uh, money line odds or something like that? I think that over the years, the, uh, we've been forced to pick the game of the week, and I'm terrible at those. So I, I, I like to pick the obscure games. I do better at those than I do the... Uh, the, the main one. So uh, you want to start with the Hawks? Let's do it. 21 and a half currently the number, though shaded a couple of different ways. I saw over in Riverside, which, by the way, you guys have some great lines over there. William Hill needs to step up their game here in Des Moines and the three other casinos in the state of Iowa because Riverside, they got props on everything. They got the point spreads out for every single Iowa and Iowa State game, all 12 of them throughout the year. They're doing things right over there. I like those people and the way they're doing business. I saw 22 there, 21 and a half, though, pretty much across the board. That's the number that we're going to use. And for me, it's pretty simple. I just don't think Miami of Ohio has enough offensively to do a whole lot in this game. Pretty good defensive team uh, throughout the last couple of years. Chuck Martin, their head coach, former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. That's how they're built. Lost a lot of close games last year, but I like Iowa. They've been good in this spot, too. In the season opener, especially against teams that aren't very good, and that's Miami of Ohio. So I'll lay the twenty-one and a half. I'm going to throw a hundred bucks on it for the Hawks. I'll I'll do the same. I think the Hawks are going to come out and make a statement uh, under the lights. I think they uh, win by more than twenty-one and a half, and I'll, I'm even a little more confident than you. I'll put one fifty on it. Putting one hundred and fifty on it for Biz. All right, the game of the week, the only matchup involving two ranked schools. It is a neutral site game with Oregon. And Auburn. We saw Auburn play one of these games a year ago against Washington. They got the victory in that one and the cover. Here comes the Ducks to town and the Pac-12 with their tail between their legs as they make their way there. They need a big-time victory to kind of catapult things and get them looked at in a positive light as a whole, as a conference. And I do like Oregon. Their offensive line is excellent, maybe the best in college football. Of course, a great quarterback to go along with it with Herbert a better quarterback than we saw a year ago with Washington and Browning. I like Oregon here, grabbing the points. Give me the Ducks on the neutral site, though. I'm sure there'll be plenty more Tiger fans in the building than there will be Oregon fans. How much money are you putting on it? I'm going to go 150 on that one. I don't have a great feel on this one either way. Um, so give me the under. Give me under 55 and a half. I think it'll be kind of a floppy football game. Uh, Hopefully not as sloppy as Miami and Florida was, but uh, I don't think it'd be real pretty. Uh, but I'm just doing I'm doing the minimum. Fifty bucks on on the under. Fifty bucks on the under for that one. Okay, so you got three hundred dollars left to play with. Where are you going? You go first. I'll, I'll split it up. I'm gonna do one fifty on, on two games, and both of them similar lines and similar thought processes. Uh, two teams that uh, heavy underdogs at home. One of them has got a new coach. One of them uh, always plays teams that are relatively tough. Give me Louisville plus 20 and a half um, against Notre Dame on Monday night. I just really like their coach. I think he did really good things at App State, and I think he will uh, make them competitive right away. He's kind of the, the anti uh, 
Bobby Petrino. They'll play hard for him, and I think we'll give Notre Dame a battle for for two or three quarters. So Louisville plus 20 and a half for 150. Uh, the other ones have along the same line. Give me Vanderbilt plus 21 and a half at home versus Georgia. Uh, Vanderbilt's got some talent. Uh, they played everybody tough last year. I think they will give Georgia a scare for two or three quarters before uh, wearing down and losing by, by around two touchdowns. But uh, I, I like both home underdogs getting 20-plus. So give me 150 each on Vandy and Louisville. Okay, so four picks for biz this week. He's got the Hawks for 150, Louisville and Vanderbilt all for 150, and then 50 bucks on the under for Oregon and Auburn. My favorite game of the week jumped off, and it'll be one that you can bet very early. In fact, tomorrow we'll be watching this one. It's the late-night game, Utah. Many people consider the favorite in the Pac-12 as they go on the road to take on BYU, a BYU team that's been pretty inconsistent throughout the years. But in this spot, this game is always one that seems to come down to the wire. You're getting six and a half here. Give me the home team. Seems like the public is all over Utah in this spot. When you see things like that, I love to jump on it. So give me BYU. I'll put 200 bucks on that one for my third pick. My final one, we're going to go teaser here, six-point teaser. Going to grab about two sides here, and I'm going to grab two games to go along with it. My first one is on Saturday. It is East Carolina. They're currently getting 16.5 at NC State. They were clubbed by them a year ago as like 52-3, to three, something ridiculous like that. New coach, bounce back, revenge, all those different factors you throw in there. I'm going to take East Carolina and move that one up to 22 and a half. And also going under for my other part of my teaser, Toledo, Kentucky, the number currently 62. I don't think Kentucky is going to be that much better than they were a year ago when they were dreadful offensively. 68 points, that is way too many. So 68 is the second part of that. East Carolina plus 22 and a half and the under in Toledo, Kentucky. My teaser for 50 bucks on the week. First ever teaser, Chet. You're, you're getting deep into the weeds of these. I like it. We can start educating people on all the uh, all the different ways you can lose. There is plenty of those, and I am certainly at the forefront of that. Biz, our picks are in. $500 on the line. We will do that each and every week as long as our bankroll doesn't go to zero. And if that happens, uh, we're going to be in deep, deep trouble. That is what we have for our picks this week. Before we get out of here, though, it's time once again for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. Kurt, this week's business beat is a uh, ode to the 2004 uh, Big Ten champions. Uh, it's the 15-year anniversary, and they are going to be honored at Prize Fest uh, in a couple days. Um, so I thought it was appropriate to end the podcast by talking about them. Uh, Quite possibly the most bizarre and, and improbable Big Ten champ uh, that, that Iowa certainly ever had, and, and maybe of all time. I mean, you look at some of the uh, the stats and information for that team; it, it really blows your mind that, that they were able to win a Big Ten title. Uh, obviously, they early in the year they lost in the desert by 37, uh, and should have lost by 44 if it wouldn't have been for kind of a uh, a pity punt return touchdown by Walner Bielus late in the game. Uh, they got blown out by Michigan to start the Big Ten. Uh, they they won a game six to four during the year, and then obviously the uh, the rushing attack is, is legendary for how bad it was. Uh, we talked about this thing in the past, term, but do you remember who the leading rusher was for that team? Oh, that year, Sam Brownlee. That is correct. He had two hundred and twenty-seven yards. So 
I didn't put Statland on this, but I'm confident there has never been a Big Ten champion, at least in the modern era, that had a leading rusher of less than 227 yards. And uh, even more amazing, that team averaged 2.0 yards of rush that year, and they're Big Ten champs. So thanks to Drew Tate, a couple of really good wide receivers, and an absolutely amazing defense. Uh, so uh, O to the 2014. Hopefully uh, they get uh, honored properly at Fryfest this year, and I assume or hope that they will be on the field on Saturday to be honored as well. That uh, 15 years ago, so just uh, surprising to think that it was that long. Uh, time just continues to fly by. Biz, it is game week. I unfortunately will not be in Iowa City as the uh, young man will keep me home, but I'll be in Kinnick Stadium soon enough. And uh, we'll have we'll have a definitely a good time. You're, uh, are you officially going to miss your first game in, in decades coming up this year? Uh, it's still undetermined. Uh, my my son is kind of in limbo on whether he is a varsity or JV runner as a freshman. He's kind of right on the, the verge. Um, if he is a varsity runner, I will be missing the Middle Tennessee State game, assuming that's not a night game. But uh, if you have to pick one to miss, that's obviously uh, the one to pick. So. Uh, uh, to be to be honest, I hope I miss it because I hope he's uh, I hope he's running that morning. But if he's not, uh, I guess we'll see you for the, the Blue Raiders in a few weeks. But uh, let's focus on the mighty Red Hawks for now and uh, get things started off at a, at a hopefully dry Kinnick Stadium on Saturday night. That is the hope now, no doubt. Biz, enjoy it, enjoy the tailgate and everything else, and we will talk again next week. Go Hawks!